Happy Tuesday and Happy New Year. Welcome into the PHNX Sun Devils show. I am Anthony Totru. We've got the one, the only DJ, Eric Ruby, doing everything behind the scenes for you guys today. Hope everybody had a happy new year. And guess what, guys? 2024, we're going to make that year even better than 2024. Three. If you're new here, leave a five-star review. Let us know what you enjoy about the podcast and hit that like button. Buckle up, because I know college football is down to two just those teams. You've got Washington, okay? The Washington Huskies and the Michigan Wolverines. It's come down to just two. And I know college basketball is going on, and we'll talk Pac-12 basketball toward the tail end of this show, but I want to sink our teeth into college football, and how Arizona State can potentially get to where Washington is. Because let's be real, the Washington Huskies haven't always been this, okay? Washington hasn't always been a team competing in the college football playoff. They haven't always been a team that's 14-0. They haven't always been a team that is a win away from a national championship, okay? It's taken time. It's taken several different coaches. It's taken a change of culture, right? If you look at Washington in the past, okay, 14-0 this season, of course, one win away from a national championship. 2022, they were 11-2. 2021, they were 4-8. The 2020 season, throwaway year, they were 3-1. For a good stretch, though, in between then, 10 win, 10 win, 12 win. But I want to really start to look at Washington when you get from 2004 to 2015, okay? An 11-year period. You're talking about one win, two win, five win, four win, no wins. Five wins, seven, 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 nine, eight, seven. A team that was mid. A team that was average. A team that didn't really stand a chance in the conversation of playing in a New Year's Six Bowl. A team that even with an expanded playoff wouldn't sniff it, right? A team that in years past would never get a guy like Michael Penix Jr. and some of the transfers that they've had. Okay, so where did that all come from? Okay, because you're looking at a, a Washington program from 2009 to 2013. Eric, do you know who the head football coach for the Washington Huskies was? Oh, 2009 to 2013? I yeah. don't, but you're looking at me like I should. You should. Steve Sarkeesian. Oh, it was Steve Sarkeesian. Really? Steve Sarkeesian was the head football coach for the Washington Huskies in that time period. In his first year, seven and six. Or his first year, five and seven. The year after that, seven and six. Then seven and six. Then seven and six. And then nine and four. Okay? You're talking about a team that at the time, we know what Steve Sarkeesian is now, right? As a head football coach. But at that time, he was just another guy. Okay? A lot of mid-level seasons a bunch of oh we're just middle of the road middle of the pack ap top 25 maybe time to time time and again right like this is this is not a, a washington team that anybody cared about right so why are we talking about washington well aside from the fact that they are a win away from being a national champion we're talking about arizona state right this is a sun devil podcast an arizona state podcast and you're going into year two of the kenny dillingham era and you're seeing kind of a change in college football. NIL, the transfer portal. It's something that you can't really deny at this point. It's changing the way that college athletics work. I actually had a conversation with somebody the other day. I was actually on the phone with my dad. He was calling me about the Alabama-Michigan game, talking about the Alabama offensive line. 
how it isn't necessarily what it used to be just a couple of years ago, right? Or even the quarterback position or some of their skill guys. You could see Alabama take a little bit of a drop off, right? Maybe not necessarily in just that Michigan game when they're up against guys that are just as good or better, but really all season long. And even last year, you see Alabama kind of fighting to get back to what Alabama Crimson Tide football is. And that, in large part, is due to NIL and the transfer portal. It's not due to Nick Saban, right? Nick Saban is still one of, if not the greatest college football coach of all time. But now, there is more parity in college football ever because you can go get kids that would never even touch a program because of NIL, because of the ability to go play now and transfer as many times as you like, right? So we're talking about this in the eyes of Arizona State. You're talking about this with the idea that the college football playoff next season, we're not talking about four teams. We're talking about 12 teams. We're talking about nearly half of the AP top 25 making the college football playoff, okay? Arizona, the Arizona Wildcats were what, number 13, 14 this season? We haven't seen the final rankings quite yet. They would be a college football playoff team probably next year, okay? The Arizona Wildcats, the worst college football program for a two years running. So Arizona State, how do you build that? How do you get that? All that lead up, right, of Washington, Alabama, Nick Saban to get to Arizona State, to get to Kenny Dillingham. Now, I'm not sitting here telling you that Kenny Dillingham is going to snap his fingers and have the Sun Devils ready to roll in the college football playoff going toe-to-toe with the Michigan Wolverines anytime soon. But what I'm saying is it's a process. It's something that needs to be built, right? It's not something that you can just poof, you've got it. But you can elevate that process now more than ever with the transfer portal with NIL. And I think when you are specifically looking at programs that have the capability to do that, I think Arizona State has set themselves up in the right spot with the coaching staff that they have, okay? I know we got a couple people in the chat, MC, because other schools have caught up to Bama paying NIL when the SEC has been doing this for years, hence they aren't in championships, absolutely. Dylan Russell, look at the Washington versus ASU game. ASU can easily become Washington. I'm not going to sit here and tell you it's easy, and we'll talk about the ASU-Washington game a little bit later in the show because... I don't even think you can argue that ASU played the best game of the season against Washington. Held the offense, an offense that really had their way with Texas. Held them without an offensive touchdown the entire game. And if it weren't for, like specifically, one fourth quarter mishap, we might be talking about a game that went in overtime. In reality, right? It was a 15-7 game. I don't want to get too deep into that quite yet. I want to talk more about how ASU can get there. So, Eric, before I give my thoughts on it, I'm curious from your perspective, A, do you think ASU can can get up to this point, or am I just talking out of my ass here? Is yes and yes an option? I mean, yes and yes is an option. Okay, I no, can live with that. Listen, listen. There's, of course, there are some people in the chat, uh, presumably from Tucson, who are like, yeah, right, ASU the next Washington, what are you talking about? The same people were saying the same thing about your team Two years ago, exactly. and I think if there's anything that's being proven in college football and the realignment and the reshifting of everything that we know about football in college athletics and conferences and shifting all that is that there's not a single school that with the right resources could not get to that point. Yeah. 
there's there's no just okay it's Bama or bust now right I mean the fact that Texas is back there after so long of basically being irrelevant on the football yeah. field Washington you went through their entire history the fact that they're extremely relevant right now TCU last year I mean yeah you have the right time the right people the right players and now the right funding it's stupid to say ASU couldn't do yeah. it it would be also stupid to sit up here and say it's gonna happen no matter what yeah. just wait no. but we've we've discussed it so many times dilly just seems like the kind of guy who will thrive in this type he of college it. football scheme he gets it and so i i i would put my faith for them to get closer to that every year but of course getting there takes uh, takes a little bit of luck yeah too. no you're absolutely right again you look at tcu you look at florida state you look at washington you look at these programs that they're competing in games that you wouldn't expect these programs to compete be competing in year over year, right? But there are moments in college football. There are seasons in college football. And to Eric's point, Kenny Dillingham, for for more reasons than one, I believe is that guy. But, you know, something that I think a lot of people really picked at Kenny for early on in his tenure, right? And after that hire was made that, ooh, you have a guy who's never been a head coach before. And you have a guy who is the youngest head coach in the Power Five. Okay, well, I, I get the gripes for why that might, might be a bad thing, right? You don't have the experience. You don't have X, Y, and Z. But I'm going to tell you why it's a good thing. Because I've talked to players. I've talked to coaches. I've talked to the amount of commits and transfers, just as many, I would argue, as anybody here in the Valley, right? I would argue more. They all say the same thing. We can relate. He relates to us. He keeps it real with us. He's got an energy to him. He's got a passion to him. Right, He loves this game of football, aside from the fact that he's one of the most incredible offensive minds in the game at the college level. This is a kid that can sit in a living room and he can talk to these kids. Okay, And I get part of it. You got to talk to the families. You got to sell the families on the program, whatever. But when you can get somebody that is just, what, a decade removed versus 20, 30, 40 years removed, these kids want to be talking to more of a a friend, not necessarily like somebody that they would go get a drink with, right? But somebody that they respect. And they don't feel threatened by. It's exactly. It's a lot easier to feel threatened when you have Nick Saban sitting in your living room because yeah. of not only his pedigree, but his age. And when you're making a decision that's going to impact the rest of your life and you're looking at somebody who can actually relate to the yeah. life that you're living or at least closer, that's, that's really important. Yeah. No, you're and, absolutely right. And he didn't get hired because he was young. He just happens to be young and the right hire. Yeah. And to me, that, if anything, is a huge positive because if he is, which he is, still learning on the job, figuring out how he can be the best Kenny Dillingham, well, you're investing young and you're investing. It's like it's like drafting a quarterback, yeah. right? You could draft the 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 25, 26-year-old, the Bo Nix coming out of college, right? Or you could take a flyer on somebody a little bit younger. At the end of the day, you have to rely on the talent and what they bring. Dillingham has both. Yeah. And that's really important. Yeah. I, I think, again, the ability in college athletics now more than ever. You see the change. You see the change, and we talked about it. NIL, transfer portal. You are getting guys that they understand the limited amount of time that they have playing this sport at this level. The percentage of guys that go to the league is so slim. They want to win now, and now they have the ability to legally make their bag, right? So it is a little bit more of a challenge to go out there and get some of these guys now, granted, you are playing with a little bit more of a war chest to go out and get some specific players. But what Kenny has versus some of these other coaches, right, is the fact that, again, there's a relatability. There's the idea of, 
I'm not committing to play football for my grandpa, okay? I'm committing to play football for somebody that I respect. Not to say that these guys don't have respect for some of these older coaches, because that's not true. But there's a different level of respect, right? If my boss was 60 years old versus however old they are, right? Versus like high 30s, low 40s. Now you're talking about a different level of respect. There's there's almost admiration versus somebody that is like your grandpa that let's be real. If I'm playing college football or if I'm, you could take this office for example, in any office, not just this one. If your boss is 25 to 30 years older than you, are you inclined to go out and have a drink with that person? Normally, right? Normally. Versus if my boss is 10 years older than me, has shared life experiences, right? There's a different level of respect. Now, there is a different level of authority that you're going to have to maintain. But I think from that perspective in getting kids in this day and age of college football, which is, again, what's our bigger bigger question here? How can ASU turn in the next kind of Washington season? How can ASU turn in a Huskies type of year and eventually be a college football playoff team? It starts with Kenny. And it starts with those types of guys, the DNA of those players, right? And you could talk about the specifics. You could talk about the fact that positionally, three positions that you look at for Washington that in reality, all great college football teams have. You have multiple wide receivers, which Washington does. Roma Dunze is going to be a top 10 pick in the NFL draft, hands down. You've got a defensive line, which is going to own the line of scrimmage. Time and again, you saw it. And they've got an offensive line. Starts in the trenches. You've got skill guys and you've got beef in the trenches. That's how you win college football games. Now, again, you're going to have your stars at quarterback. You're going to have your Michael Penix Jr. But how do you get Michael Penix Jr.? How do you get Bo Nix in the door? You do it with having those things in place. And having those types of players in place starts with Kenny. It starts with Brian Carrington. It starts with Rashad Samples. It starts with Sean Aguano. All relatively young confident coaches and back to the thing you said about authority because that that is it's it's the balance right because you have somebody you want to go get a drink with somebody who you look relatable to maybe you're not going to take them as seriously i mean i you've seen it firsthand i've seen it as well kenny is not the type of dude to not i don't want to say flex his authority yeah. but to remind you that there's standards that need to be met and you yeah. think back to this past season there were some guys that we were excited about going into the season who ended up not playing for the team yeah because they did not fit the mold that kenny was trying to have for ASU. He's very clear about it. But again, if you're clear and precise about it in a respectful way, that seems like I'm just trying to help you and you helping yourself also helps me. Yeah. That's a lot easier to buy into if you are a kid. And it's it's tough because it's like, what comes first, the chicken or the egg, right? Well, you, you need to have the chicken no matter what. And yeah. Kenny Dillingham's the chicken. Now you're just waiting for the egg. You get a little bit more success. People can actually start to see, okay, this isn't just talking about it in theory which is what we were talking about right now. In theory, how do they get to where Washington is? Well, as they continue to take steps forward, as the success continues to build, it's going to be easier to take those steps because you're in Tempe. Yep. That is a desirable a huge, place. A huge selling point. And like, I'm not trying to disrespect Tucson because I don't want Damon Dog coming at my throat. But if you had to, as a 18, 19, 20-year-old college athlete, pick a city to live in, if let's just say everything else is equal in programs, You're taking Tempe. Tempe or Tucson, I think even Damon would agree with that. Not calling Tucson a dump, 
But I just think that that's the truth. Yeah, there's discrepancies. So you have a good college town. You have support that we've seen for ASU basketball and for ASU football and for ASU hockey and for ASU volleyball and for basically everything. When you're good, the city and the state rallies around you. It's about a culture, right? It's about a culture. And and you look at, again, specifically the four teams that we just saw yesterday, Alabama, Washington, Texas, and Michigan. Okay. You, You talk about the teams that are constantly playing in college football playoff games, constantly playing in New Year's Six Bowls. We're not necessarily talking about the players, okay? The players are going to come and they're going to go. The coaches are going to stay, right? If they're great coaches, then they might elevate on. But the reason that everybody is okay with Washington and Oregon going to the Big Ten versus USC and UCLA, that's a point that I want to make, okay? Because Washington and Oregon... When when that move was made, yes, take away the fact that nobody really wanted to see the Pac-12 break up, but I feel like there are more people, and Eric, you can correct me if I'm wrong on this, have more confidence in those two programs having success in the Big Ten against teams like Ohio State, Michigan, Michigan State, versus USC and UCLA isn't because of the players. It's because of the cultures that are already established in those programs. It feels like the teams in LA, they buy their cultures. Washington and Oregon, this has been a grind. This has been a process. Oregon, I would say, has obviously a little bit more because they've done this for a little bit longer of a period of time. But you could see that in Washington. You could see that with those players just yesterday. I think Washington right now is kind of where Oregon was a couple years ago. Where you're like, okay, you're here. You know, you're you're established. And once you're up at the top, I guess TCU is kind of an exception. But Washington's been more consistent in the yeah. prior years before making the college football playoffs than TCU was. You're kind of around for, for a little bit. USC was supposed to have a great year. Yeah. And yes, their defense was suspect and everybody knew that coming into the year. But but I don't think anybody expected this season from them and from Caleb Williams and Course, but that's a culture was, thing. Right, but their bowl game is a little bit of an anomaly. But but you're right. The same thing with UCLA. I, I mean, I think Chip Kelly has got some great ideas when it comes to reimagining college football. But at the same time, he's not getting it done consistently on the same basis. I mean, Oregon in Pac-12 football is kind of the standard. And honestly, Washington's there now. But Utah, Utah yeah, has been great point. by far and away the most consistent. And if you want to maybe look at like if, if some people are saying Washington's too lofty of a goal. Right. College football playoffs, like they might win it all this year. They might end up being the best team in in all of it. Right. Look at Utah. And this is something that Kenny has directly cited. Yeah. That uh, Whittingham over in Utah is a a model that he's looking to kind of replicate. And you have players there that are bought in. They clearly have an identity. They're going to ground and pound. They're going to get you out there. But then they still have the talent to where they're going to have good players. And like you said, the players come and go. And the transfer portal and all of this. Culture stays. Plus, with how athletes are today, there's. Look, athletes right now are better than they were 10 years ago, and 10 years from now, they're going to be better than they are today. You have more chances to go and pluck people, and it really does come down to how do you utilize your skill set? And we saw with Dillingham, with depleted resources, plus injuries, plus a self-imposed bowl ban, which does make it hard for some players to get up in the morning and really put their all into it. You saw what he was able to do. You start eliminating those things that are kind of handicapping him and giving him more room to spread his wings, he's going to show people, I can get the most out of you. Yeah. And that's where players are going to want to go. And that's also a, a point that you make, right, in, in terms of it, it goes hand in hand with the idea that I'm trying to to come across with, with the culture thing, right, is because 
you've heard Kenny talk about, if you don't want to play at Arizona State, I will give you a glowing recommendation and you can be on your way. And he's backed that up. Yeah. With all the transfer guys. Absolutely. He has put his money where his mouth is. If you don't think this is the place that you can succeed and you don't want to be an Arizona State Sun Devil, the portal is open. Don't let the door hit you on the way out. Right. Be like be like water, right? Like if, if somebody wants to leave, you say, okay, like again, one player leaving is not going to ruin your program as much as we love Jalen Conyers, as much as we love Jordan Clark, BJ Green. Like these are all really important players to ASU last year. We're still looking at ASU next yeah. year and saying they're probably going to be in a better place. And that's a culture thing, right? Not to say that Jalen and Jordan and BJ and those guys weren't bought in because they were, right? But you also have to understand that this is a bigger this is a bigger animal. This is a process that takes more than just next season. Next season, if Kenny makes the college football playoff, the world will, I, I would expect pigs to fly because you don't expect that type of growth just after year one. And those guys have such limited eligibility left that in all honesty, they needed to go take advantage of their time in college football before they make a decision what's next. But the young guys, how many young guys did you see transfer from Arizona State that Kenny went and got? Very, very few. Everybody was talking about Jaden Rashada when Sam Leavitt committed to Arizona State. Everybody was talking about Jaden Rashada entering the portal potentially, right? Look at that type of player. Look at the mold. Look at the mindset, right? Because that's the type of players that Kenny is trying to go get. Guys that aren't going to have the needle move because you add somebody that's going to compete. That's how you build a culture. You don't go to USC and UCLA and buy it, right? There are players that I know specifically that had a number that they wanted to hit at positions that you wouldn't even grasp, okay? Special teams players asking for six figures. They go to LA, right? They go to big name schools where they can go give them that money and by all means, go. Go play for them. We don't want you because you're not the type of player that's going to establish a culture 10 years from now. And you can be like, oh, Arizona State, they got great X, Y, and Z. Well, yeah, they do. They get great players. But it's because they've been doing it consistently, right? You want to be great? You got to be consistently good. Every coach in the world will tell you that. You can't just be great out of thin air. So how is Arizona State going to get to Washington? You got to consistently be good. You got to consistently grow. And I think Kenny Dillingham and the guys, they, they've got the right staff to do that, man. Yeah, I, I mean, look, it's weird to sit here and say, I feel like I know who the coach of ASU football is going to be in a decade. Yeah, you know, it is and, weird. And, and, and you know, there, a lot of stuff can happen, but Kenny wants to be here. He's very clearly mm-hmm. said this is his dream job. Yeah. And I think there's enough here to offer people, including now there's going to be increased funding from NIL after there's been some shifting in the athletic department. I really don't see how they couldn't just get better. And with Kenny, as long as you get better, as long as you get a little bit of a bigger stage, and now you're going to go to football country in the Big 12. And I mean, it's exciting. You're going to be probably middle of the pack in there next year. But if you can pull out some really good wins and play some really good games, like ASU was still even able to do this year, despite yeah. all the circumstances, one of the games we're going to talk about in a second, it's not like it's guaranteed. Yeah. Nothing because nothing is guaranteed, guaranteed in all of this. But at the end of the day, it's like it's hard not to see that path. Now, I'm not going to sit here and tell you it's it's extremely likely that all things are going to break. But right. there's a roadmap, right? But I'm much more confident in the next ten years from now where ASU football is going to be than UCLA football, than yeah. USC football. Not saying that maybe their peaks might not be higher, but as far as consistency goes, ten years from now, I see ASU being up there 
with the Utahs, with the Washingtons, maybe not always in win-loss, maybe some years in win-loss, but more as a, we know what we're getting from these guys when they're there because that culture is established. And if you do that right, the success, it, it's going to follow. There's You're no choice, right. but it will follow. You're absolutely right. There is a roadmap to this whole thing, and it's not new, right? In college football, these guys understand how you win. They understand how you succeed and how you build it. It's just a matter of, do you have the guys to go out there and do it? Nobody here is reinventing the wheel. Right. On how to build a successful football program. Yeah, you got to make some tweaks because of NIL and the portal. But it really comes down to do you have the guys? And when I say the guys, I mean the coaches to go out there and make it happen. And I believe that because of the youth that this staff has, it gives them an edge on some of the old heads when it comes to trying to get from point A to point B. There's, okay. some, there's something else I just thought about, too. Yeah, right. We it. talk about players leaving, the B.J. Greens, the Jalen Conyers, Jordan Clarks of the world. A, they're going to have nothing but positive things to say about Dilly and the Correct. staff because it's it's a very uh, amicable parting of ways and yeah. an understanding parting of ways, and Dillingham is even going out and, and showing that publicly. And I'm not saying he's doing that because of the like attention that it's going to get, but it's good to have a paper trail with that along with word of mouth. Absolutely. But I also want to talk about these young coaches, right? Your Jason Mons, your Sean Aguanos, your Rashawn Samples, and all of that. Look, the reality is those guys are not going to be here for as long as Dillingham yeah. is. Coordinators and all of that, they're going to go get elevated position elsewhere. And you know what people are going to ask him about? Kenny Dillingham and ASU, even casually in conversations. And with Transfer Portal, if you hear your coaches talking good about a place that they were formerly at, if you hear other players and your friends talking good about a place they were formerly at, we've all had multiple jobs here. And if you can go and talk only nice things about your employer once you leave, that's, that's, yeah. that's rare. Absolutely. right? And when somebody else wants to go look to go work for that employer, they've got a better idea in their head. Word of mouth in college football, it spreads like wildfire because it's such <clears> a small <throat> community despite how big it might seem. Yeah. Coaches, all they all know each other. They yeah. all know the players. They all know each other, right? They all played in tournaments together, seven on seven, 11 on 11s. Like, these guys, as they continue to talk and as word of mouth spreads throughout the year, it's not just going to be the wins and losses. Yeah. And, and you're going to see Sean Aguano is probably going to get a job somewhere else at some point. And some it's probably going to be a higher ranking job. He might be a college football head coach one day. He'll have nothing but positive things to say about Dilly and the staff and everything. You're absolutely right. Look, we've been talking a lot about how does ASU get from point A to point B. And we're going to continue having that conversation. But I want to tell you guys where you should be going if you're trying to get from point A to point B with saving money and that is circle k they're going to help you get from point a to point b and they're going to do it with their new free membership program called inner circle they're going to help you guys save 25 cents per gallon on your first five fill-ups and then after that they're going to help you save money every single day save three cents per gallon every day after those first five fill-ups and if that's not enough you're going to get every sixth free on a selection of circle k products pizza coffee ice cold fountain drinks and more i am not kidding when i tell you i go to circle k every single Day. I stopped at Circle K this morning to get a little core power protein shake, and I'm going to stop on my way home to go get an energy drink before the gym. Circle K is quite literally a part of my everyday life, and I love it because they've got literally everything I could ever need, and they have great, great deals over at Circle K. So check it out. Join Inner Circle for free by downloading that Circle K app. Terms and conditions apply at participating locations. Just visit CircleK.com for details. And look, 
you're getting great deals. You're getting from point A to point B. We're talking about Arizona State. How can they eventually get to a team that is, like Washington, just a win away, right? Just a win away from getting to a championship-level program, which is, again, it is crazy to even think that Washington is at that point, right? And like I said, we're going to talk about the ASU-Washington game here in a second, but it is Tuesday, right? You know what that means, Eric? You know what You know what it is? You can go ahead and tell me. It's Taco Tuesday. Taco it's Tuesday. It's Taco Tuesday. So you're probably at home wondering, where, well, where can I get affordable, tasty tacos? Well, Illegal Pete's is the place for you. They are your go-to spot in 2024 from caterings to gift cards. They have the perfect, perfect environment for you guys to enjoy. Patio season means patio beers. Illegal Pete's Margarita, the strongest in Arizona. And like I said, maybe you're not just a taco person. Maybe you want a bowl or a burrito or nachos or a quesadilla. They have it all at Illegal Pete's. And quite literally, the food just tastes fresh. For me, that's the biggest thing when I'm going to a, a restaurant like Illegal Pete's is you want to go, you want to get a beer, you want to get affordable food, but you want to make sure it tastes good, right? Like it's fresh. And that's exactly what Illegal Pete's has to offer you guys. Not to mention they got a full bar, they got queso, they got guac, they got it all. Whether you are shopping for a margarita maniac or a queso connoisseur, Illegal Pete's, guys, they're your one-stop shop. For everything in 2024, grab $100 in Illegal Pete's gift cards and get an extra $25 gift card for free. Guys, go check out Illegal Pete's. It is the best place for burritos, buddies, and beer. Now, Eric, we've kind of teased it, okay, talking about the ASU-Washington game this entire time, and there are going to be people that give ASU shit, or they say, hey, you know, it was just an off game. They're going to say that it was an off game for Washington, but if you watch that game, you understand how well ASU played defensively in that game. And quite literally, if there are a couple things that go differently, if we're talking about some, even some different play calls, we're talking about a game that ASU could have won. We're talking about Washington not even being in the playoff if ASU wins that game. And before we even get into that, shout out Trenton Borgay for continuing to be the last quarterback to beat Michael Penix Jr., Think about that, man. That's all I can think Trenton about. Trenton Borgay is the last quarterback to go out there and beat Michael Penix Jr. in the Washington Huskies, a team that is quite literally a win away from being a championship team. So when you're talking about ASU this season and you talk about the three and nine year, I would argue that the three wins are what they are. I would argue that this one loss to me means more than ASU's than any of ASU's wins because it was a 15-7 game. ASU at that point, one and five, one and six, I believe. They hadn't won a conference game, and Washington was obviously undefeated, right? Michael Penix Jr. was in the thick of the Heisman conversation. You saw him finishing second in the Heisman votes. And in my personal opinion, he should have won the award over Jaden Daniels. But ASU dominated this game. Defensively, they owned a Washington offense that was number one in the nation, they held Michael Penix Jr. and company to zero offensive touchdowns. Michael Penix Jr., 27 of 42, 275, no touchdowns, two INTs. Think about that. Think about that. They also held Washington to 13 rush yards. 13 rush yards, dude, on 13 attempts. Think about that. Did you mention it was also on the road? 
on the road in the rain. In the rain. And, and look, yeah, does weird shit happen in college football all the time? Absolutely. But when you're in a position that ASU is in and you're watching every single snap like like this man does, you have to look for the positives and things that maybe don't always result in wins and losses. It's the same thing for any sport. If you're just box score watching, you're just looking at wins and losses, you might understand where somebody is in the standings, but you have no idea what that team is actually like. Yeah. And, and this just... And they had a couple moments this year where they were just executing at such a high level. It wasn't like the other team was just completely shitting their pants yeah. in front of them. They were actively forcing them to make bad decisions, actively forcing them into stops. Like, yeah, they weren't just getting lucky and had a couple picks from Road Torrens and Shamari Simmons. Like, those were good plays. Yeah. Right? Like, th this was a, a game plan that went out there. Exactly. And you could see that they exactly. that they completely executed that game plan to the right level and that the brains that were working at that moment, I, they maximized the talent, which in a lot of other cases, and we saw it in other games where that talent couldn't be maximized, that might be a 50-point yeah. loss. For talent, for injury's sake, for for all those things. But you, you bring up game plan. And, and that is such a when you go back and look at this game, such a critical part of how ASU was in this game for three quarters, right? ASU led this game going into the fourth quarter, seven to three against, at the time, the number five team in the country. We're talking about a one and five, one and six football team leading Washington on the road with a Heisman level quarterback with the number one offense in the country. And they did it because of the game plan. So what was the game plan if you didn't watch that game? It was, let's play keep away, okay? Let's own the time of possession, which ASU did, had nearly 40 minutes, nearly 40 minutes of T.O.P. to Washington's 22, okay? And they forced turnovers. Four turnovers to just one. They won the turnover margin. They played keep away with the running backs to Carlos Brooks, Cam Scadaboo. The only issue, the only issue is when Arizona State offensively was driving, they couldn't find ways to capitalize on those extra possessions. And now part of that has to do with injuries. Part of that is they weren't able to attempt a field goal because guess what? They didn't have enough healthy offensive linemen to throw out there for a field goal, right? But when you're talking about this game specifically, the game plan was set up to a T for Arizona State to take advantage. And again, you look at one specific play that you can't really deny the impact of it on the game. You can't really deny that it definitely hurt the Sun Devils is that Trenton Borgay pick six in the fourth quarter. Uh, Washington would go on, obviously, to win the game, scoring 12 of their 15 points in that fourth quarter. Part of that being that pick six. If we're not talking, if, if that doesn't happen, right, we're talking about a team in Washington that let's say they get all their other points, but they don't get those seven, okay? Now you're talking about Washington being up seven to eight, right? Am I doing the math on that right? Seven, yeah, seven to eight. Arizona State needs a field goal. So let's assume they don't throw the pick six, okay? Let's assume they attempt a field goal. They throw out an extra offense lineman. Or they're able to take, you know, and they play this game 10 times out of 10, and they have enough guys healthy to go out, out there and actually play football and do basic things. You're talking about a, a team that if they had enough healthy guys, they knock off a team that is currently playing in the championship game a week from now with a Heisman-level quarterback and Michael Penix Jr. That shows me that they're building something. 
right? That they've got the right guys to throw out a game plan. They've got the right guys that when everybody is counting them out, they're, they're tuning out the noise, man. They're tuning out the noise because they believe in the game plan. They believe in the coaches. I mean, we might be talking about a different game if Jaden Rashad is a quarterback. Oh, 100%. You're 100% talking about a different game. A lot of these games, you're talking about a different game if Jaden Rashad is yeah. the quarterback. And I think what's interesting is that I don't think ASU is going to be underestimated going into next year. Yeah, because I, I think I think other coaches understand just how good Kenny Dillingham is. Maybe the average college football fan doesn't, and I don't really blame them for not being completely up to date on ASU in its current state. Yeah. But all the coaches that are going to be taking on ASU next season is going are going to understand a the situation they're in before, and they're going to probably show a lot of this Washington tape to teams. Yeah, you're right. And be like, look what they were able to do, and let me tell you all of the things that were working against them. Fast forward to this year, how many of those things apply right now? Hopefully less than half. Give an extra year for Kenny Dillingham. Not going. You, right. You you would probably expect teams to go in and give ASU their best shot. I don't think people are going to be sleeping on them like because they were having a bad record the year before. And, and I think you look at U of A, and I know people hate it when we use U of A as an example, but it's it's kind of funny that they are such like the ideal model for this with Jed Fish where they yeah. found the right guy. People kind of slept on them a little bit early. And then once they gain momentum, people are like, wow, this team is good. Absolutely right. And I think ASU can get there. And, and I mean, I don't think it's out of the possibility in the next three to four years you see them be a top 10 team if all things go right. Because I do think that the transfer portal is going to favor Arizona State University mm-hmm. once they get their NIL a little bit more in order. You, you bring up some some really good points with the transfer portal in the tape, and I do want to get to that here in a second. But a couple of comments in the chat. Sharon, if our offense wasn't so decimated from offensive line and quarterback injuries last season, it would have been a different season. Maybe not competing at the top of the conference, but better. Absolutely. You're talking about uh, a team that had injuries really from the start of spring. You're missing guys like Ben Coleman going down with injuries, who is a plug-and-play starter uh, along the offensive line. You obviously get the the whole quarterback carousel throughout the season. You're talking about guys falling at skill positions, defensive line. Like, yeah, it was an injury-riddled season. It happens. It sucked that it happened in year one. But in all honesty, if it was going to happen any year of Dilly, I think year one was the best case scenario. And I'll tell you why here in a second. But first, Jacob in the chat, I think we didn't have a bowl ban two days before that season and kept healthy. We would have completely different season. The way I see it, ASU was two negatives away from a huge positive. Absolutely. Like, the reason that I believe having an injury-riddled season in year one is valuable and was was honestly, again, the best case scenario if you're going to have one of these seasons is because A, you are trying to build a culture, which is what we've really like tried to hit home on this show, right? You're trying to build a culture. How often do you hear next man up in sports? Okay, well, this is your opportunity. We're down two starters. We're down three starters, right? Step up, be that guy. You're talking about young guys who are quite literally being thrust into action because other guys are entering the portal mid-season, right? I want that guy. I don't care if the dude that's transferring is a five-star. I don't want that guy on my team, okay? You could leave for whatever reason. I want the guy that when I tell him on the airplane that he's going to be the starting left tackle, that he doesn't bat an eye. He says, okay, bet. You don't get those moments. You don't find out who those guys are without seasons like this. 
Okay, you don't find out what everybody is made of on your roster without seasons like this. It sucked. Yeah, it sucked for the fans. It sucked for these guys to have to go out there and week after week be thrown into games where they didn't have enough healthy guys at times to even practice certain things that they would like to practice. But if you are going to establish a culture and if you are going to build a football program from the ground up, because that's where it was, the fucking ground, you are going to need to have these types of adversity. You are going to need to have to have players put up or shut up. And certain guys did and certain guys didn't. Yeah. And we have Sharon back in the comments, one of our lovely diehards in chat. And she says that she does think that coaches will sleep on us next year. And I, I'm kind of wondering where you fall because for me, I I feel like among the coaching circle, I'm sure Kenny Dillingham is actually a rather hot topic. And I feel like it's going to be the players that might not take ASU seriously and maybe the fans and the media. I'm not sure if coaches so will. This is this is this is the way I'll put it. And I, I get Sharon's comment. I think it's valid. From a fan perspective, let, let's let's take let's take Sharon for example. You got a family, you got a job, you go about your day. College football, Arizona State, it's like almost like a little bit more of a free time thing, right? You're watching it, it's your passion, whatever. This is their job. They're getting paid a lot of money to do this job. So this is what's going to happen. Every single coach that is going to play Arizona State this season, this coming season is going to watch every single game from this past season. The good coaches, probably going to watch every single game that Kenny has been a part of for the last three seasons, right? Every single one. They'll know their roster top to bottom. That's what they'll do in the offseason. Other coaches, other coaches, you know what they do? The same way that like, hey, it's 2024. We want to grow. We want to be new. We want to be better, right? There are coaches that go out there and they're like, you know what? For this offseason, I'm going to pick Kenny Dillingham. I'm going to pick Kalen DeBoer. I'm going to pick Tommy Reese, right? Coordinators, whatever. And they will study them the entire offseason to try and elevate their game. So I think fans of specific teams might underestimate. But these coaches, especially when it's game week, they're tapped in. They know exactly what's coming in terms of you're not going to be sleeping on Kenny. Right. Even from you take the, the the off the field stuff or you take the on the field stuff and throw it aside. Kind of the point that I wanted to bring up um, to to Eric about like you've got a team and this is the tape you are going to show to those teams. Right. This is the tape that these guys are showing the incoming transfers to guys on visits. Hey, you play defense. You're a, a former five star who didn't get enough run at LSU. Pfft, look what we just did against Washington. Imagine we get a couple of you guys in here. The system's there. The system is there. You just need the players. Okay? You got the chef to make you a five-course meal. I just need the fucking ingredients. Okay? That's where we're at. I absolutely believe you have the Gordon Ramsay of football coaches here in Tempe. I believe it through and through. Well, give him a kitchen. Give him some shit to cook with. See what he's got. That's where you're at. So, no. I don't think coaches are going to sleep on... Kenny Dillingham or Arizona State. In reality, I don't think coaches sleep on any of these guys because you see it. You see it in college athletics. You see it in sports. You fall asleep. You get lulled to sleep by a team that you think is bad or a team that you don't think has the guys. 
you end up with what almost happened. Almost happened. In that Arizona State-Washington game this past season. Don't sleep on them. Do not sleep on them. Otherwise, you'll end up a quarter of a way getting upset by a team that was 1-6. and six. And now you're talking about your college football playoff hopes evaporating. Okay? So no. I don't think they'll sleep on him. Tony in the chat, who is a longtime U of A person, I will preface, says, yeah, Dilly can watch Fish win the Big 12 title next year. Well, we'll see. We'll obviously see what happens. Obviously, U of A will be a team that is heavily, heavily in contention. Um, but again, I think if you're an ASU fan, and I actually had this conversation with Damon, and this is getting a little off topic, but like, don't worry yourself with what they're doing. Okay? Don't worry yourself with what Jed Fish and Arizona are doing. Worry about Arizona State. Worry about what the Sun Devils. Worry about Kenny. Worry about Sam. Worry about BC. Worry about Jaden. What, what are they doing to improve Arizona State? What are you doing as a fan to improve Arizona State? How are you getting bought in to the fandom, right? Into the culture, into the program. Aside from showing up, how about sprinkling a little bit of money on the BetMGM Sportsbook app so you can really be all in and all invested in Arizona State. Even if you're not betting on ASU, you may be doing an emotional head so you're at least invested in the game at some point. I totally respect that, right? Look, we're talking BetMGM. They still got a great offer for you to start off 2024. Download the BetMGM Sportsbook app on iOS or Android or visit BetMGM.com. Sign up and deposit at least $10 into your BetMGM Sportsbook account. Place your first wager and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if the bet loses. Now, if the bet does lose, your bonus bets will be available once your initial wager is settled. Eric, question for you. Did you make any money this weekend on college football? Did you make any money on the NFL, on the NBA? I'm mad at myself. I had a a rather busy weekend doing some suns, New Year's Eve, New Year's Day, and then some other stuff we had to take care of. I didn't have time to open up up, up my BetMGM Sportsbook app and put my picks down for the college football playoff of Michigan and Washington because I could have put those two together because I predicted how those games would go exactly, and uh, I didn't. And you know what? I regret it. So don't be like me. Don't be somebody who gets too caught up in some things and forgets about the yeah. important things in life, betting. <laughs> Don't be like that, okay? Download the BetMGM Sportsbook app Do it. and listen to our bold predictions, and you might make yourself some money. Look, I, I've got a, a parlay pick, okay? And, oh. I, and, and there, there are people that, you know, that watch this show, that know me, that know that I'm a little bit of a Chargers homer. Okay. A little bit. So I've got the Chargers parlay for you. Oh, God. It's, it's, it's the Scary dream, words. No, it's the dream Charger lay. Okay, that's what we're calling it. The Charger Lay? The Charger Lay. And it's for next weekend. Okay. We are taking the Kansas City Chiefs to outright beat the Chargers. Okay, that sounds like the dream. And we are taking Michigan to win the Natty. And we're calling this the Chargers Lay because Uh, if the Chargers lose, their draft position stays where it is, depending on some other things they can elevate. They'll need a Cardinals and a Giants win. But also, the Chargers are in the business for a new head coach. And you know who would look great in powder blue? Tell me. Jim Harbaugh. And so you know what's sweeter than winning a national championship? Co- coaching the Chargers? No, 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 no. No, 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 no. Elevating. Elevating. We're done. We, we, we've been to the mountaintop. We've seen the highest peak in college football, Senor Harbaugh. So go get that chip and then go 
become the next head coach of the Los Angeles Chargers. That's why we're calling it the Chargers lay, Eric. That's my BetMGM parlay pick. Again, sign up for BetMGM. Use that bonus code PHNX. Place your first BetMGM Sportsbook wager through BetMGM Sportsbook mobile app of at least $10. If that bet loses, your bonus bets will be available once your initial wager is settled. Check out the show notes for full details. And Allison, a shame. Talk about the disclaimer. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Colorado, D.C., Illinois, Indiana, Kansas, Louisiana, Maryland, Mississippi, New Jersey, Nevada, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, Wyoming. Call 877-8-HOPE-N-Y or text HOPE-N-Y-467-369, New York. Call 1-800-327-5050, Massachusetts. 21 plus to wager. Please gamble responsibly. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP, Arizona. 1-800-BETS-OFF, Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help, Michigan. 1-800-981-0023, Puerto Rico, in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., New York, or Ontario. Get stuffed. Ontario. There you go. Look, you're making some extra money in the BetMGM Sportsbook app, and you've got so much extra cash flow, you don't know where to put it. Well, I'm here to tell you Desert Financial Credit Union, that is the place for you. Desert Financial, the official retail banking partner of Arizona State University, and they are not new to this game. They've been doing it for a whole hell of a long longer than I've even been alive, okay? For more than 84 years, Desert Financial has been Arizona's largest, most trusted local credit union dedicated to creating exceptional experiences by giving back to the community and providing financial solutions that make lives better. And if you're an Arizona sports fan, they're gonna help you guys show that off because there's no better place to do your banking than Desert Financial Credit Union, the only place you could show your team spirit every time you make a purchase with exclusive debit cards Branded with your favorite teams. Bring the boom and get fired up with the Arizona State University Visa debit card. I really want a Kenny Dillingham one. I want Dilly's face on my debit card. I think that would Pull be awesome. Pull some strings. You know I'll people. see what I can do. I'll see what I can do, guys. Now is the time to show your ASU team spirit. Open a free checking account online and get $200 plus your choice of three Arizona State University Visa debit cards. We're not talking if or. We're talking when. Okay, go to desertfinancial.com slash ASU to get started. Yeah, I've been using Desert Financial. That's the only uh, credit union I've I've ever had. Yeah, I mean, when you go to ASU, when you go to ASU, that's I mean, that's the place to do it. Literally the, the basketball arena, DFA. Yeah, it's the only good thing about the basketball arena is the sponsor. There you go. There you go. Look, we've been talking a lot of college football lately, but we would be naive to not sit here and talk a little bit of college basketball, do some Pac-12 power rankings, because let's be real. It was a good weekend for Arizona State fans. So let's go ahead, take a look at this week's college basketball Pac-12 power rankings. I'm going to start with a new number one. And I know this is going to irritate some folks, specifically down south in Tucson, but let's be real. These aren't the standings. I want to preface that. This is not standings. These are power rankings. Right now, I've got Colorado atop the Pac-12 power rankings, and it's because this team has been on a heater. Okay? They're 11-2 and on the season. You look at how they started conference play. They beat a good Washington team. They beat Washington State. And ever since then, they've been winning consistently. After that loss to Colorado State, where they lost by five, they destroyed Pepperdine. They destroyed Miami, a ranked Miami team. They destroyed Northern Colorado. They destroyed Utah Tech. And then they beat Washington, Washington State. I'm very curious to see what Colorado does this week when they take on Arizona and Arizona State. That is definitely going to be a good one. But yes, I do have Colorado up one, which means Arizona does fall to two, okay? And now I know, again, there are going to be people that hate on it, but let's be real. Arizona is still the best team in this conference, but they didn't play like it this weekend. They got destroyed. They got destroyed by Stanford, and there's going to be Arizona fans, specifically Damon, that will be like, ah, what can you do when the opposing team shoots 65 70% from three? You know what you do, Eric? 
You play better defense. That's how you do it. Okay? So that's why I got Arizona falling to two. Utah at three. I almost feel bad for Utah because Utah is also 11-2, and two and they've been on a heater. I believe they've won eight in a row. They also beat Washington and Washington State. They beat Washington State 80-58. to 58. It's, again, they've got themselves a hell of a weekend with Arizona State and Arizona on the road. Now, if they are able to take care of business and beat Arizona in Tucson, there's no doubt that this team could be the number one team in the conference. Going down to number four, I've got Oregon. This is an Oregon team that, it's tough, because this isn't an Oregon team of the past, right? This isn't the Oregon Ducks that you grew up watching six, seven, eight years ago in college basketball. This is an Oregon team that I don't think has the firepower to compete with in Arizona. They haven't been as consistent as Colorado and Utah. So that's why I've got them at four. Got Washington, Washington, five, six, respectively. These are two teams that had rough, rough weekends against Utah, Colorado, etc. I do have them falling just a tab, but not too much because I do think they are better teams than some of the middle of the pack teams that we're going to talk about here in a second. We've got Arizona State at number seven, making a big jump from, I believe I had them at 10 uh, just last week. This is an Arizona State team that, let's be real, the offense hasn't looked great all season long. They didn't play their best basketball games all season, okay, against Stanford and Cal, but you know what's important? They found a way to get it done. That's what matters. And Frankie Collins is on this photo for a reason because Frankie Collins in ASU's last game against Cal dropped 25 points and had six steals. This man put the team on his damn back, okay? So Frankie Collins alone is the reason why Arizona State is at number seven. I've got Oregon State at eight, UCLA at nine. Mick Cronin, take a bow. My goodness, must be getting real red in the face with all those L's in LA. Like I talk about earlier on this show, you can't buy culture. And for a long time, UCLA basketball has been really, really damn good. But guess what? In the age of NIL and transfer portal, you are going to get exposed if you are a bad coach. And I think, Mick Cronin, you might be seeing the type of coach that he actually is. Uh, I'm Anthony Totry, longtime hater of Mick Cronin. Um, I've got Stanford at number 10. They obviously had themselves an interesting weekend where you lose to Arizona State and then you mollywop Arizona. So, I don't really know what to make of Stanford, but I do have them moving up a spot. Um, And right below Stanford, at number 11, the USC Trojans. Oh my goodness. It really is a damn shame that these LA schools don't know what they're doing when it comes to college sports. Cal at number 12. uh, You can also take a bow for being the worst at just about everything. Um, That's why I have Cal at number 12. Guys, head to the comments. Let me know what you think of this week's Pac-12 power rankings oh my goodness would you make any dramatic changes to that eric yeah i think it's kind of a uh, crappy you didn't have asu number one you know? i mean yeah because they beat stanford stanford beat u of a u of a was the number one team therefore asu without a doubt bar without none, a doubt best basketball team maybe in the nation is that is that what the people are saying out I mean, there on the, the streets the streets are saying i'm not being facetious at all no. and i don't even know what that word means so i definitely <laughs> can't be it uh i I wouldn't disagree with any of that. To be honest with you, I'm shocked that ASU won the last two games. I think a lot of people would agree with that. Um, But they won. They did. And uh, if you pull out those kinds of games, you have to get some respect for it. But I am actually, I think, the most interested in Colorado. Yeah. Like, like what can this team really 
do like long term. We'll find out season. this weekend. Yeah, it's true. I but I I'm interested to see like which of these top teams are the ones to make a tournament and run because based on history, you can't say it's U of A. As I'm not trying to talk shit, I'm not trying to be a homer, I'm not trying to be a hater on Tucson, but based off of history, U of A might not be the team that makes it the farthest in the uh, in March Madness this year. You could be looking at Utah or Colorado for one of those. I'm I'm really interested to see what happens. We do have a comment in the chat. If GCU were in the Pac-12, where would I put them in my Pac-12 power rankings? Well, let me go ahead take a look at GCU. Just just again. Off the cuff here, not somebody that follows GCU a whole hell of a lot, but Does they are. Does Tayshawn Cherry still play for them? They, I don't think so. I'd be shocked if he still had eligibility. I don't he know. Is, I wouldn't. Uh, GCU, they are 12 and 1. They are first in the WAC. Um, they've got wins over Sam Houston, Bethesda, Louisiana Tech, Southern Utah. Or no, they haven't played Southern Utah yet, but I do think they'll beat Southern Utah. Their only loss has come to South Carolina. Um, they did have a four point win over San Francisco. In reality, I'd probably put this team, I'd probably say seven or eight. Probably. Um, just again, you got to look at who who they played. And part of that, you know, in non-conference, they didn't really play a whole hell of a lot of people um, that were really worth a damn. Um, so I would probably put them at seven or eight. But look, I've, I've been uh, somebody who has said for quite some time now that GCU basketball doesn't necessarily get the respect that it deserves as a program, as a the fandom around GCU basketball is honestly like nothing I've ever seen from one of those programs. Um, but quite literally... It, it this is a, a team in GCU that we've seen in tournament play over the last couple of seasons. So I don't know that that's where I would put GCU. But Eric, and correct me if I'm wrong. I think we're done for the day. No, I think you got another two hours scheduled. Another mini, two in hours. Four, in the Four Peaks mini Buckle bar. So up. we're just getting ready. We're gonna go play by play through ASU Washington. It's oh goodness. Oh my goodness. Nah, we're done. Let's get out of here, guys. That's gonna do it. For today's PHNX Sun Devil Show, if you enjoyed the content, or even if you didn't, do us a favor, hit that like button and we'll make it even better on tomorrow's show, okay? I promise you, because we will be right back here at PHNX Studios, probably not in the anymore, but at 12.30, so be there or be square. If you enjoyed the content, give us a follow at PHNX underscore Sun Devils. You can follow me at Anthony underscore Tochi. You can follow Senor Eric Ruby at Eric Ruby with a K. Two things. Go Devils! And Happy New Year, guys.